There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you only look Then you will see On WCN-TV Got it on mute. Almost forgot about that cell phone. Hey, J.R. Harrison sitting in for Rob Pugh today, and I really appreciate the opportunity. What a great time of the year. Thanksgiving. We just we just had Thanksgiving. I want to talk a little bit about the family situation. And now we're getting into Christmas. Hmm. Uh, end of November and then all of December, if you will. Great time to take advantage of the family. Not to fight with them, but to take advantage of them. My organization is naturalfamilystrong.com. And we as a nation need to get back to the traditional family as supported by the laws of nature and nature's God. That's why we call it natural family. And I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Our guest today, Stephanie Mann, I was talking to her about her family and Thanksgiving, and she mentioned something about a, uh, a four-year-old grandson, which uh, just tickled me. We'll, we'll have to talk about that when we get when we get Stephanie on. But here's here's something that 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 I I recommended to folks do during the Thanksgiving time period, and that is to reestablish your relationship with your children. In this day and age, everything is so so divided. And there's, I mean, it's, it's cauterized, it's, it's, it's polarized. And I think the family is a great place, probably the only place that we can start to get that back. And you can't talk about sex, you can't talk about politics, right? I mean, that's, that's the family thing, but you can. You can talk about any number of things, and you should talk about any number of things. You don't want to have a five-hour, six-hour Thanksgiving dinner, and your son and or your daughter or your stepson, <clears throat> you may say three or four words and then they're gone after five hours. That's that's not what this is about. It's an opportunity to, and please next year, look at that as an opportunity to bring the family back together. I, I, let me give you a suggestion. We have We have a natural family month that we're promoting from Mother's Day through Father's Day. The first week is Mother's Day, Mother's Week, and then Children's Week, and then Grandparents' Week, and then Extended Family Week, which means you're part of the family, whether you like it or not, 
whether you have children or not, you're still part of the family. And then it ends on Father's Day, bookends. And and you might try this conversation with uh, one of your one of your with your mother, with your with your with your son, with your daughter, with your nephew, whoever's there. Say to them, um, I heard something that caught my attention. Now, caught my attention. You didn't say positive or negative. It caught my attention. Very innocent, right? They were talking <clears throat> about having a natural family month from Mother's Day through Father's Day. What do you think about that idea? Just think about think about that. I heard a conversation, overheard a conversation, them talking about a natural family month, Mother's Day through Father's Day. What do you think? Why not try that? Look at it. The rate we're gone, <laughs> we're going to be in a civil war. And, and I hope for, for the FBI purposes and all the other three-letter agencies, uh, if, if there's a civil war, I want it to be a, uh Article one civil war, not an Article two civil war, if you know what I mean. But please take that opportunity to use use another example. But don't put anybody on 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 one side or the other. Just bring it up and have a human dis discussion, a family discussion. Look at your children need to know that you would die for them. The people they're listening to aren't that way. And we have our government-run schools, which are basically telling all children that they have a right to feel good. And if they don't feel good, it's because of somebody else. It's their problem. They're causing you that. If it wasn't for them, that's Marxism, folks. It's dividing. It's making a victim and a perpetrator. Think about it. And they use fear, events like COVID, the mask, et cetera, whatever. But understand the idea is to divide. Mm -hmm. and, you, and, you, and you want to you want to say to that individual that basically you need to take personal responsibility. That's what a child needs to know. Take personal responsibility. Be self-reliant. And here's the key. Know that life is what you make of it, not one else, what somebody else says about you or does against you or whatever. It's up to you. In America, that's still true. I want to get that out of the road. I'm going to talk to Stephanie Mann. Um, and Stephanie has written five books. She's very, she's very community-oriented. And one of the things we're going to talk about is the community and where that is actually we need to start. Family, community, city, you're not going to get to your federal officials. And with all due respect to Fox, who wants, who wants the ex-vice president who's sitting in the presidential office right now, they're, they're saying all these bad things about him physically and about his age. And just nag, nag, nag. But it doesn't make any difference whether it's a Republican or a Democrat in office. This comes down to the, to the local cellular level in the family and that's what stephanie mann is doing and stephanie come on in if you would please stephanie oh thank you i'm here i'm just <laughs> delighted to be here thank you for inviting me 
Welcome, welcome. I, I want to talk to you about your four-year-old. Was it the grandson that said that at Thanksgiving? Yeah. Okay. Yes. And and oh, it, it is such a blessing. And please, this is within your reach to do that if it's not there already. It is there to do that if not already. But Stephanie, I, I mentioned something about going to the cellular level and into the into the family, into the local community. What do you think about that? I don't, I, you know, I don't think there's anything more important than the two things that children need. Number one, as you said, the family is critical. Mm -hmm. And number two, kids need community. Um, Good point. Yes, yes. That includes also the neighborhood because uh, children grow up in a neighborhood. And one of the things I advocate for is getting neighbors together and uh, creating a, a, a social event or a block party or something where the weather gets nice and during Christmas, not have the neighbors over. Uh, a lot of people don't know their neighbors and social isolation has taken a terrible toll on our children, especially, um, you know, since COVID hit. And can you imagine a child in a an abusive household that is can't even get out of that house for two years or a year and a half or whatever it was in their area. I mean, no wonder we are seeing some very bad behavior on the part of children. So I think there are two things that have to, or three things really that need to be restored. Uh, and that is strengthening the family um, and let me just say, right now, we spend $220 million a day on child abuse and neglect in this country. You're talking, talking about the court system and CPS and all that? Yes, I'm talking about all of it. You know, child abuse and neglect is a huge problem. And when it hits the local government, the police, it adds up to $220 million a day. And I don't know what it is. That was before COVID. I'm not exactly sure what it is today, but I don't think it's gone down. Um, but you need a, to, we need to strengthen the family. That's number one. And I couldn't agree with you more, um, James, about the importance of the family. And thank you for focusing on that. And then number two, strengthening our neighborhoods because children need a network of support around them. For example, um, I was, I'm a crime and violence prevention consultant, and I've been working in the field now for almost 40 years, which is a long time. So I've seen a lot of good behavior and a lot of very bad behavior. And uh, one of the things I saw, uh, what, there, there was a man by the name of AJ in Richmond, California, and he saw a lot of single mothers in his neighborhood. Mm -hmm. he, he adopted 24 kids on his block. What? He became, he became, he didn't physically, you know, didn't go out and make pay. He, <laughs> okay. he became the resource for all those kids. He started Christmas on the streets, which mm. he's done every year for 20 years. And um, the kids are even beginning now that they're grown up, some of them, they're coming back to thank him for keeping them out of the gangs. We need more community because uh, AJ was able to change those children's lives. Neighbors have the power to do that. 
Um, and so that's, that's another stronghold that we really need to focus on is stronger neighborhoods. And then of course the community, uh, the community as a whole needs to be supportive. Um, I can tell you a story about how a, a neighborhood, you know, a lot of people think that crime is stopped by police. That's a myth. That is a myth number one. Whoa, what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean that's okay. a myth? Okay. I say it's a myth because it's the neighbors that keep crime out of neighborhoods. And let me give mm. you an, let me give you an example. Uh, I was a coordinator for Contra Costa County in California. And mm. uh, the, uh, in this community, they had decided to put a fence all the way around Davis Park, which was a whole big block. They decided to put a fence up because it had been taken over by drug dealers. And the police didn't have the resources to go in and get rid of the, of the uh, drug dealers. So they decided, which I thought was a crazy idea, to put a fence all the way around the park. Well, one day, uh, a mother by the name of uh, Barbara, she came into our office and she said, this is crazy. And we agreed with her. So we talked, her, talked to her about getting her own neighbors involved and going and sitting in the park, taking down descriptions without being noticed, play checkers, walk the dog, water the lawn. And um, over a period of about two and a half, three months, they did this. They rotated and they took pictures. They took down these descriptions. We turned the information over to the police. And within that two and a half to three months period, they had cleaned up the park. They were so excited about the fact that they had taken responsibility for their own neighborhood safety. And they, they got rid of the drug dealers because the, the police had enough information to arrest the, not only the drug dealers, but also the clients that would come in. And uh, they went back to city council and said, you know, the money you were going to spend on that fence around our park, we want that money to be used for new swing sets and slides for the kids. And their request was granted. Now, that's how important citizens are in order to keep their neighborhood safe. They have to be vigilant. No, no um, uh, criminal wants to be noticed. He wants to take over the neighborhood, but he, he wants people to be isolated. That's why your community is important. Sounds familiar. We're speaking with Stephanie Mann, an expert on creating safe neighborhoods. Uh, we got a new book, Magical You. We can talk about that a little bit, but I'm, I'm curious. What you, what you just said sounds very, very, very exciting. But how did that happen? I mean, we did somebody just didn't get up one day and just start doing this. I mean, this this no. involved what what was the process of doing this? Well, as a matter of fact, I've written a lot of articles that are on our website, safekidsnow.com, about hiring and training neighborhood safety experts. And these are people right out of the community that look like the community. They speak the language of the community and they go back in and help neighbors connect. There's a lot of fear right now in a lot of neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. It's going to take some time and it will take some effort on the part of someone coming into their neighborhood and helping bring people together. And I'll give you an easy way to do it. 
because any citizen can do this too. Um, for example, if you wanted to bring your neighborhood together, um, maybe get a friend or a neighbor or somebody that you know and go door to door and ask three questions. Have you been a victim of crime? What is your biggest concern in the neighborhood? And will you help? We want to bring this neighborhood together. And the people that say, oh, and, you know, a lot. Of, some people will say, I want to help. I'd love to bring this. I'd love to meet my neighbors. I think we, for safety reasons, we need to bring this neighborhood together. So the people that say they will help, then you have a neighborhood meet. You have a meeting with those people and you plan. What do you want? To, where do we want to start? Should we just have a get together? Um, the weather's nice. Should we plan a, a, a block party? Uh, should we plan a garden next summer? Uh, should we perhaps focus on the biggest concern in the neighborhood? Maybe all the neighbors said, you know, my biggest concern is a pothole or my biggest concern is the drug dealer on the corner. Okay. Now put a plan together and make changes. That's how neighbors should be coming together and making sure that their neighborhood becomes a safe place for all of the children so they can go out and play again in their own neighborhood. Right now, our neighborhoods are not safe in a lot of places. Um, if somebody listening to this show today, one of the millions of listeners to this show today, <laughs> wants, wants, wants to do something like this, um, can they go to safekidsnow.com and, and there's directions there? Or how, if they, they've never done this before, how do they do this, Stephanie? Well, uh, one thing I think they a, a place for them to start in there, they can call us and we have, I have a free counseling um, fold, you know, uh, a sign up sheet for anybody that wants to have counseling with me and I can help them with that. But uh, they should talk to their own police department and ask for what are the resources that you have available? Uh, do they still have a neighborhood watch program? How active is it? Um, what do you need? And maybe work with the police. Um, you can do it without the police because some neighborhoods don't want the police involved. And I've worked in plenty of those neighborhoods, but some people do want the police involved. So find out what is going on in your community. I think that's the first step, whether they have uh, any resources in the police department to help neighbors get organized, or if they don't start something yourself. You know, none of us are helpless. We can all get busy and make changes in our communities, um, which are critical to taking back your own neighborhood safety. I, I want to get into the, the church aspect of this. And by the way, if you have any if you're in the queue and you have any questions uh, for our guest today, just uh, raise your hand and we'll, we'll get to you. But uh, I'm, I'm an, by trade, I'm an executive recruiter. So I want to know where Stephanie Mann is coming from. I mean, from from it sounds like you came from a from a great home, a great great environment, and you're trying to share that with other folks. Is that am I how, how am I doing so far? You're not right. <laughs> no, that's not right. <laughs> no. As a matter of fact, um, my my parents. I had uh, my father was an alcoholic, and my mother and father got divorced when I was ten. Mm. And my mother and her boyfriend uh, abandoned me in Mexico City at age 15 
and I didn't speak the language. So that was my challenge. I'm sorry, what? They, they did what? They abandoned me in Mexico City, and I didn't speak the language. So they went, drove you down there and dropped you off and left? Well, what they did was, uh, I should have been a sophomore. Oh. I'm sorry? I should have been a sophomore in high school mm -hmm. and they took me out of, um, I graduated freshman year of high school. And then they said, you know, uh, we're going down to Mexico because my, and you're going to laugh at this. My, um, my, my mother's boyfriend was a Washington DC politician. <laughs> hmm. So uh, he needed her. He's, they dropped, they rented a room for me. And uh, <clears throat> then they uh, said they'd be back in a couple of weeks uh, because he needed her to help with entertaining the politicians in Washington. And he had to go back to Washington. And so uh, they both took off, but they didn't come back. So that was my dilemma. Wow. Yeah. So. <laughs> you know, a lot of the stories I tell in Magical You and in uh, empowerment parenting are from my own experience uh, about how I survived because uh, I learned how to handle uh, boys at that time. Men were very flirtatious. Uh, they would, in Mexico City, they would come up and touch you and whisper in your ear. And I had to learn how to handle, I didn't ever had that experience in the United States. I was you know, 15. Um, so I had to learn the hard way and uh, mm. I had to learn how to speak up for myself, but I also had to learn how to temper it because sometimes the boys would be very angry. So I had to, I had to learn a lot and I grew up in a very, very quickly. Learning a new language, I'd guess too. Well, my Spanish was terrible, but I did become an interpreter uh, for American tourists to try and pay my rent. So, okay. you know, uh, it, it, my Spanish wasn't good, though. <laughs> it was terrible. But the American tourists that I took around, they didn't have any Spanish speaking at all. So I was one step ahead. Wow. Well, well, well. So we have you in California. And producer, mm -hmm. we'll take we'll take a quick break at the bottom of the hour. Um, we have you in Mexico. So when and how did you get back to the United States? You want me to tell you now? Yeah, go ahead. Well, we got, uh, yeah, we got about eight okay. minutes or so. Well, um, it, it's kind of a long story, and I'm going to try and shorten it down. Um, mm -hmm. I got very sick. I stopped eating. Uh, fear overtook me. Mm -hmm. uh, um, Can't imagine. I, uh, it got to it got pretty bad for me and I was losing weight and the landlady was going to throw me out because um, I, w I didn't have any money to pay her because I couldn't work as an interpreter and I didn't have enough. And this, I'd been there two or three months. I got out of there four months. So um, I had been entered into the Mexico city college when they left, they gave they put me in Mexico City College to learn two languages, you know, to learn Spanish and to study art. That was my sophomore year of high school. And so um, that 
I got, well, I, I became that interpreter through Mexico City College because I told the land, the lady that we didn't have enough, I didn't have enough money to pay my rent. Anyway, as a result of that, uh, one man wanted me to take him on a tour of the houses of prostitution. And by that time, I Hello. was, yeah, by that time, I was pretty savvy about men and, and I, and anyway, the cab driver I was working with, he, he did a lot of speaking in Spanish for us. And uh, he said, don't worry, we'll take them on a tour. They'll never forget. And we started at the houses of prostitution um, and they were elegant. And then as the night went on, it got worse and worse. And by the time the women were 30, they were in pretty bad shape. I came back to my room and I that's I went downhill immediately. And so I got so sick that they had to call my mother. I told the dean of women thought I was dying because mm. I lost a lot of weight and I had all kinds of problems. And uh, so anyway, she got in touch with my my mother uh, because the only thing I knew where she was was because I knew um, my Boy, the boyfriend was a uh, Washington, D.C. politician, so I had his name, so she found her, my mother. So she came and got me, and we had to fly back to the United States, but we flew back without any uh, luggage or anything because I was so sick and emaciated, they didn't think they'd let me in back into the country. So I was yeah. in the hospital in San Antonio mm -hmm. for a week. Mm -hmm. So that's how I got out of there. Okay. Okay. Um, when, we, when we come back from the break, and Jonathan will uh, give you about a minute or two notice here, uh, I, I want to talk about when you come back and and the progression you had. Okay, you're back in the United States. When did you decide, okay, we need to clean up some communities? What was the path that led you to that, to your current position, and, um, and, and focusing on neighborhoods, which I just... <laughs> It, it it took me forever to recognize that we that I mean I I got someone elected to federal office I got people elected to state office to city council but mm -hmm. it took me forever to recognize that none of that did any good because what what we should be doing what we really need to be focusing on is creating an environment where Christian thoughts Christian ideals and Christian leaders can get traction in the marketplace of ideas you can send them off to Washington D.C. But if there's no wind for their sails, uh, they're they're gonna, well, they're gonna they're not gonna float. Let's put it that way. Or that's all they'll do is float. If you would, let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about back in the USA and uh, okay. about the church. Okay. Good. My towels solved a problem that we've all had with towels. You go into the stores and they feel lotiony and soft, but then you get them home and they wind dry you. That's why I made my towels. They actually work. They're soft and they absorb. And now I'm excited to announce two brand new lines of my towels. What makes them the best towels ever is they're now made with 100% long staple Shapir cotton. This is a combed ring spun cotton that makes my towels even softer and more absorbent than ever. And now you get a six piece set for an amazing introductory sale price as low as $29.98. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to get my towels for only $29.98. Or you can get my designer premium line for just $20 more. 
Either way, you save 50% now on all my towels. They actually work. What a concept. This offer won't last long, so please order now. And we are back uh, speaking with Stephanie Mann, who is an expert on creating safe neighborhoods. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about your new book, Magical You. We kind of left you in, in Mexico or kind of in between Mexico and USA. So we kind of we had, we had to complete that. But what kind of contact information would you like to give to our audience, Stephanie, where they can get a hold of you? Uh, well, the website is safe, S-A-F-E, safekidsnow.com. And uh, they can contact me through safeneighborhoods at gmail.com. Okay, safeneighborhoods at gmail.com. Great. Okay, so you're, <laughs> you, you, I, I can't imagine going through what you've gone through. I mean, um, at, at 15 or 16 or 14, you, you, you think you're independent, but then you get put in a position like you get put into and you're going, wait a minute, maybe I'm not as independent as I thought I was. So you had some some physical issues, which I guess worked to your benefit, right? It, it basically got you out of Mexico. Oh, um, the good Lord helped me out a whole lot. You know, mm-hmm. I, I did a lot of praying. Matter of fact, I was coming back from Mexico City College um, on a bus. And uh, in Mexico City, they have little chapels on the corners, street corners. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I hadn't really noticed it before, but there was one across the street from where my room was. So uh, I decided to get off the bus and uh, I sat in that little church. I mean, it's a little church, probably whole 40 people at the most and uh i was just i just remember sitting there and and they had a little there was a little window with a pane of yellow glass and i remember sitting behind that and then and i just sat there but when i came out of that church i had a plan so i decided you know I, i don't have anybody else and my grandmother we never went to church. I had a very dysfunctional family. Uh, so I wasn't brought up in a church or any religion at all. But I do remember my grandmother telling me one time, she said, if you ever have a problem, all you have to do is go to God and ask for help. So I remembered that. And I mean, I don't remember saying anything else particularly, but I do remember that. So that's why I stopped at that church and decided to go in and and uh, hopefully get some wisdom. And apparently I did because uh, I survived. <laughs> I get it. All right. We got you back in the USA. Um, how old were you when you came back? Um, well, I was only there in Mexico City for four months. Okay. So okay. I was still 15. I was okay. 15. And, and I went from there. My mother asked me if I wanted to go to Washington, D.C., or because now it was uh, getting close to summer, mm-hmm. or she said, uh, would you like to go to Colorado College for the summer? And I said, I want to go to Colorado. I, I never lived with my mother again, or her boyfriend. So yeah. I, uh, I went to Colorado College for the summer. Okay. She said, you catch up on some credits, but I didn't. <laughs> okay. I had fun. So you so you so you graduate from college, right? No. No. Okay. Oh, not from college. I I went to six different colleges between my 
sophomore year and my senior year. Mm -hmm. I skipped the middle two years because I was jumping from college to college. Um, I went to uh, Pasadena City College. I went to, um, oh gosh, uh, USC for the summer the following year. I went to Colorado College and Eastern Arizona Junior College to catch up on some of my grades that I, or, uh, you know, so like take history and so forth to get into my senior year of high school. So then I graduated from Pasadena City College. Okay. Was there an event that drove you to your calling, your mission in life? Was there one event or? Yes, okay. there was. Well, uh, I was married at 18 mm -hmm. to a wonderful man. I was truly blessed mm -hmm. to have my husband for many years. And uh, we lived in Orinda, California. And uh, I was, you may remember back in the 70s, I was a young mother. And um, they had the riots at the University of California. Yep. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, I do. <laughs> well, I do too. And, you know, it, it, they were talking about overthrowing the government and you yeah. know, the whole bit. And um, I was about to have a baby. And mm. I went over with with a friend of mine because I wanted to see what exactly was happening at, at um, University of California. And I, 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 uh, I was horrified to tell you the truth. It's the same thing that's happening today. Yep. Um, hardly any difference. It was a lot of angry students, you know, raising their fist and, you know, free speech. You know, it was a, just a lot of similarities. History repeats itself. I, I think there's one difference in this day and age. Yeah. They're more serious. In that That's day true. and age, it was, uh, we're really not going to get away with this very long. We're going to do it for as long as we can, and then we're going to go back to what we were doing. In this day and age, it's almost life and death. We have to accomplish what we, we need to accomplish. And again, that's because of the, of the, the tremendous amount of pressure that's been applied. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I agree with you. I, I think we're in a very dangerous place right mm -hmm. now. Uh, it wasn't that dangerous at that time, It was, but it was shocking. Yeah. For me, you asked me, you know, what motivated me, and that is what motivated me. I spent three days after I did that. I spent three days in prayer, um, and I said, uh, "Lord, if there's something I can do, um, give me a mission." And by the time the end of the three days, I had ten pages of notes. They were all kind of confused. Well, wait a minute! Wait a minute! Hold on. You yeah. prayed for something to do. Don't, yes. don't we pray this time for somebody else to God to come down and be a cosmic genie and take everything? Isn't that what prayer is about? <laughs> I, I, it, no? It wasn't for me. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I, but I, I had all of these notes and I sorted them out and I went to see our, we, I lived in a community and I didn't even know we were unincorporated. That means we were an all volunteer community. We had no mayor. We had no, um, uh, city council, um, and we didn't have a police department. All we had was one and a half police officers for um, uh, 17,000 citizens. And uh, the 17,000 citizens, um, you know, 
with one and a half police officers. Now we had a crime wave and I didn't even know we had a crime wave. So uh, I went to see the uh, board of supervisors representative for our area. And he said, oh, your ideas are great. I think we'll, you know, that can really help your city. So I took it to the city and he went with me and we had a meeting. Then we had a, nobody showed up. <laughs> we had about 15 friends that, well, that showed up. Familiar. That sounds yeah. very familiar. But we had a murder in the community and then we mm. had about 300 people show up. Yeah. Unfortunately, sadly, in my life, that's kind of what it took for me. I mean, God, God, God tells you. And, and, and if you say to him, well, maybe you're going to have to try a little harder. He'll do it. Okay. And he'll try as hard as he has to, to get your attention. So I'm, I'm with you. And it's, it's sad that things have to end up that way. And that basically, that's why you're doing what you're doing and why I'm doing what I'm doing, because we don't want to have what's going to happen. If this continues, we're desperately both. I'm sure anybody that's in this business right now is trying to keep this insanity from, from giving birth to what it's going to give birth to. Yes. That's that. Oh, it is. It is. So we don't want people to go through what we went through. It could be turned around. It yeah, definitely. Like, or, you, or you don't get in the game. If you don't believe you can win the game, there's no sense in getting into it. I mean, if you think this is going to end tomorrow and Jesus is going to come back, I mean, why bother? <laughs> but, but I, I've, I always, I always, I'm interviewing you and I'm doing all the talking. I've, I've always, I always said when God comes back, I won't be at the bus stop looking at my watch to you know, where you at, where you at. Um, it's going to be, if, when he comes back, I'll be out in the fields working. And you're going to be alongside me with, with a lot of other people that I know. <laughs> and, and, you know, one of the, one of the blessings about doing what we're doing, trying to fight this insanity is yeah. the people that we run across. Absolutely. I, I would have never met you and what a mm -hmm. loss and other people that you've met and, and other people that have met you. There's, Oh, wow. It's just so incredible to be in that. And it's a large circle to be in that circle. I'm yakking away. I changed the subject. Where were we? <laughs> <laughs> we, okay. So you, you, uh, you, you got community action. How, how old were you when, when this started the community action aspect? Oh, I was, I don't know, 20. 20? Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Like that. Anyway, um, it can be turned around. I can tell you how it could be turned around. That's why you're here today. Okay, I'm going to. Far away. Here, here I go on my soapbox. But we have 360,000 churches in this country. Uh-oh. I'm going to say that again. 360,000 churches and 4,000 synagogues in this country. Can you imagine how we could turn this around if the church would just adopt the the uh, neighborhood around the church? It would keep the church safer mm -hmm. and it would keep the, and then it would begin to spread because they would see how it made a difference in people's lives. And I've, I've done this many, many times. I have seen amazing things happen. I've seen pastors say, wow, I've even got some videos. If you go to uh, um, safe, uh, yeah, safekidsnow.com and go to my video channel, which is on that website, you will find that there are, yeah, go, go on down. See, I have amazing people here. These are uh, 
incredible people. Okay, people should listen to, um, I was incarcerated at age 13, but let me see, go back a little bit and I'll show you. And while you're doing that, you mentioned churches. Pastors do not have to be leaders. No, they do, need to, they do need to be advisors, but they don't have to be leaders. I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, see the gentleman in the in the middle here? His name is Lonnie. Um, and it says San Francisco Church Organizes Against Crime. Well, he speaks about uh, how beneficial it was for his church. And then mm. uh, the lady, the gentleman up to his um, upper right there on the right hand side, it says overcoming fear. He talks about he went out and went door to door in his neighborhood. And the, the gentleman in the middle, that's A.J. Jelani, uh, the one I was telling you about that adopted all these children. And he was a homeless man um, at one time and a drug addict. And he is the most wonderful. I still talk to AJ. He's a wonderful, wonderful person. I, I just love him. And if you go down a little bit, all of these people are just amazing. And here's Butch Sosa is in the middle. And he, the one that says, I was incarcerated at age 13 and I forgot how to love. Well, You've got to listen to that video because he he's was so he was a a drug addict for 40 years. Can you imagine? And then when he got homeless um, and someone from the mission came and talked to him and he said he, he was, well, you'll have to listen to it. It's just a wonderful interview. <laughs> uh, I'm just really happy that that interview is there. And then uh, Fred Jackson is an amazing man too. I mean, all of these people are such giving wonderful people that I have been privileged to meet and record some of their information. And then uh, uh, there's a video beyond gun control. Um, I, I did an interview on that one if people are interested in. So I, I recommend listening to some of these videos. Uh, somebody that's, uh, I live in a perfect neighborhood. Good. Definitely, I live, I live in a perfect, there's no problems whatsoever. <laughs> okay. so I shouldn't I shouldn't even bother with trying to get the neighbor get to know my neighbors right I mean come on it's why would I bother to do that they, I, they leave me alone I leave them alone the kids come over in the yard the dogs come over in the yard and sometimes they do their business sometimes they don't but that's okay I mean I'm okay I live in a good neighborhood well you know uh, I think all of us would like to think we live in good neighborhoods but there's a lot going on behind closed doors and sometimes you don't even know that somebody's getting abused or they need to talk to somebody. I mean, we need to get better connected with our neighbors and friends because the social isolation was, I think, uh, a, an evil plot. But that's yeah. the way yeah. I feel about it because I just thought it did the worst. And especially to children taking them from school. We, we really need to turn that whole thing around and get these neighbors involved so anyway i was telling you about the churches you know three hundred sixty thousand churches if each one would just adopt around their block and then once they see how fantastic and you know things can be uh and how 
we've had teenagers do this. Get the young people involved in their church and with uh, adult supervision, go out with them and then have them evaluate the sheet, you know, the information that they get back from the people, like what's their biggest concern. And then the kids love to participate. I was surprised how many young people love to help. And we don't give them enough opportunity to, to do that. So um, I think the church would be very smart if they started doing this around their own church and then it would spread to the congregation. So it's worth a try. Sounds like missionaries. One of my pet peeves is uh, uh, I remember. Me, I, good, good. I just want to say one thing. One thing we ask the people at the church not to do is proselytize because that turns people off at this point. Just be a good neighbor. That's all we're suggesting they, they do. Just say, I am, we're, we're, we're neighbors. We want to help. How can we help? And sometimes we brought whistles and give them a little something, a little flashlight. or a, And, I mean, people appreciate the fact that you're doing something for them. You'd be surprised how, how it turns people around. I have a cross in my yard. Should I take that down? Out by the mailbox? <laughs> no, you don't have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's pretty obvious what I am in the neighborhood, um, mm-hmm. but it, it's, I, I, I remember, and this is about 20 years ago. I've been doing this activist things for about 36 years. It sounds like you, uh, anyway, uh, I, I, 20 years ago, I was in a church and they had a special service for a couple of missionaries and they were going overseas. And I remember one of the missionaries talking about he really felt bad about leaving because there was so much a need in his own neighborhood. And I'm going, uh, interesting. You're going to go overseas and the need's here. Now, you had a calling. I have a calling. Mm -hmm. I'm not questioning that, but I'm also... um, One little clarification on it. How, how How about that? (laughs) <laughs> I, I like the idea of local missionaries, which is basically what the church is anyway. But I don't I don't see a lot of outreach into the community. Now, they mm-hmm. may go they may go to a a healthcare facility for for a three aged. Uh, nothing yeah. wrong with that. But there's a lot of needs in the schools and in the neighborhoods. Um, some of them might be high crime. Some of them might be in the process of being high crime. Some of them may not be. But it's still in that I'm, I'm, I'm a big proponent of neighborhood neighborhood churches, big proponent, because that is part of the church is the family, the neighborhood and the church in, in the center of that, if you will, pivoting around all of that. I, I like that idea. And it probably is what our founders did, you think? Oh, yes, <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> the The church local missionaries what what do we what do, what else do we need here we, we have the family we have the church what about the third institution that god created for the benefit of the man what about the state now i know you mentioned going to to the police local police mm-hmm. but what about the state government what about the county government what what should we expect from them if anything well um a lot of people get a lot of grants 
from the government or mm -hmm. uh, if you're, you know, a, a nonprofit group, uh, the government can be very helpful. Uh, unfortunately, I have seen the government mess up so many times. No kidding. <laughs> well, and I worked at, for Oakland Police Department, and um, I must mm. tell you, uh, a lot of money comes into these cities, and uh, it breeds corruption. And I've had people say all kinds of things uh, about where the money goes, and a lot of it does not go where it's supposed to go. Even in the nonprofit groups, there are a lot of these uh, grants don't go where the money should go. There is just, we need people with the right heart to uh, be out there in the community, bringing neighborhoods together, helping people. And, you know, there are an awful lot of good people out there, but they get a little, um, uh, what's the word I want? Um, they see the corruption and they get turned off by some of the, things that are going on in our cities. I don't notice it so much in the smaller communities, but I do see it in the big cities because they get the big, big bucks. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, the Towers organization. I'd like them, at least I think I like them because they're doing what they're doing without government assistance. And right. Really, once the government gets, gives you money, they're like everybody else. They follow it. <laughs> and the more money they give you, the more they expect. And I'm afraid um, you're right. Yeah. So yeah. As, go ahead. Well, and a lot of times, uh, for example, when we got a grant, uh, six of us that were coordinators for our county, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's a lot of power in the police department. But you have to remember, the police department is a militaristic organization. Okay. And when we got a, a grant for a three-year grant to go out and organize um, uh, uh, volunteer committees throughout all in 27 cities, at which we did it, um, you know who voted against us? <laughs> no, I don't. No, I don't. The Police Chiefs Association. <laughs> And we were doing it for them to make our neighborhood safer. Uh, probably not doing but, it the right way. Yeah, and because there's a lot of power uh, from police chiefs, and not all all police departments are good. <laughs> we we had some very mm. bad um, police chiefs. Um, well, we had one in particular that was really bad, and I was thrown up against the wall by a police officer one time because I was helping low income families in uh, um, Pittsburgh, California. Um, he wasn't happy because they were criticizing the police department. And he, when I was leaving with Ruby, the gal I was working with, um, he knocked me into the wall saying, don't come back. But we marched ourselves right down the police department, reported him, and we got a new officer to work with. So you can't allow that to happen. You have to get down to the police department and make your voices heard. So many people are so intimidated by the officer, but they should definitely go down and talk to the man in charge, and that's the chief of police, and tell him exactly what happened. So, you know, not enough people speak up. They get intimidated. So that's got to yeah. change. Yep. Yeah. 
safekidsnow.com safekidsnow.com stephanie man you know we didn't really talk about your book uh, oh. if you can give us a three-minute review of it and um it's about the power of the human spirit you know a lot of people think children are blank slate and my goodness they have intuition they have imagination i mean they're mm -hmm. born with all of these talents creativity um you know they have a, a conscience a self-protective conscience that they need to listen to so they don't do something that's really foolish uh, because once you see an angry kid and uh, they don't progress. It's children that are full of love and caring. They will progress and they will do well in school. But an angry bully, and, you know, I do have this. This is in the book. This is the spiritually centered child right here. This is the bully in red, and this is the victim. They never talk about this guy. This is the one that is, I call him, uh, you know, the pincushion child. They're the very sensitive, lot of creative kids. Um, and that's who this is. And they don't realize the bully doesn't bother the, the sensitive or, or the, um, the spiritually Very sensitive sure. child. They uh, are attracted to the child. These two, the red and the, and the blue are attracted to each other. So if you've got a, a child that's a victim, don't mm. fight their bottle for them. You, they have to learn how to strengthen themselves unless it's a really bad situation. Of course, then you have to step in. But most kids, even in kindergarten, can learn how to protect themselves. So the book is about how to find your inner spirit and the power within. Now, who is you? Uh, the child? Uh, who, who would buy this book and for what purpose? Well, this book is... It's called Magical You, Empowering Teens to Stay Safe and Healthy in okay. an Unsafe World. Okay. So that is for them. And this, I wrote this one first. And this was Empowerment Parenting. And that's for adults. And as a result of writing this book, it was it's been translated into Chinese for the children at risk in Taiwan, China. Hmm. So... That is being used today. And I, matter of fact, last week I did a, um, they wanted to talk about sex. And we talked about sex um, because their kids are being influenced just like our kids are being influenced. Wow, wow, wow. I, I'm not going to ask the question because we'll spend another two hours talking <laughs> about that. Okay, so I'm, I won't ask the question. Stephanie Mann, Magical You. And would they go to the uh, website, the uh, safekidsnow.com? Or is there someplace yes. else they can go? Good. You can go to Amazon. And if you get a copy, I would really appreciate it if you would make a comment. Because people have been buying the book, but they haven't gone back in a few days after they read the book and making a comment. So I would love to have them. That's Empowerment Parenting. Both books are on Amazon. Okay. Okay. So I want to thank you so much for, you know, listening and being such a good host. Well, it comes natural. I mean, what can I say? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I, I, Stephanie, I love what you're doing. I love your heart. I love the information you're getting out. And the folks that are listening to this broadcast today, you may have to go through it a couple times because there's a there's a there's a lot of information there. But 
look look at it in terms of what can I do? Yeah. This is not to entertain you. We need you in the battle. Absolutely. If we're going to win this. We need you in the battle. And by the way, now, okay, don't wait any longer, folks. <laughs> if you're going to wait till it gets worse, it is going to get worse. Don't do that to yourself. Don't do that to your family. Don't do that to your neighbors. You know, I might just add that if people think the politicians are going to fix this, it's not going to happen. It's going to be we the people. Well, they're going to fix it. <laughs> they've, <laughs> not they've the way already, they already fixed it. Okay. Yeah. They've already fixed it. Well, we can turn that around and we can make our neighborhoods safe places and our communities safe places for our children. Amen. Amen. Stephanie, thanks for taking the time today. Magical you, safekidsnow.com. Uh, got about one minute left. I have a two-year-old granddaughter, young parents. Which book would I buy for them for Christmas? Oh, I buy this one. Empowerment Parenting. Okay. Okay. Great. This, this is twice as big and it has lots of tips in it. Uh, separate, you know, in the back. It's got a lot of information for them. Okay. Stephanie yeah. Mann, thank you very much. God bless you. Godspeed. Mr. Producer, thank you very much for helping us out today. Um, I'm sorry I didn't give anybody a chance to ask any questions, but maybe I asked the right ones and maybe maybe you'll have other questions and you want to get a hold of Stephanie. So there you go. Yeah. You know where to find me, safekidsnow.com. Thank you. E.G. Edwards, sign it off.